Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, uh, this is Clerical Errors, the show which shows you what is behind the collar. I am Berg. And I'm Vicar. And Bullhagen is absent. He is um, gone away from us, uh, preaching an ordination in Wyoming. So That's right. Which is pretty rad. Uh, beautiful state. <laughs> so uh, we wish uh, both Vicar 16.0 and his family uh, well wishes uh, as he enters into the pastoral ministry. So, And we got Peter. Yep. Hey, Pete. Hello, That's Pete. Right. So what's crack-a-lackin'? Well, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> it's gonna odd. It's going to be painful. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's just, it's strange not having... Yeah, Paul we're, Hagen here. we're missing we're we're missing it's like, uh it's the know, heart. Yeah. The beating heart. But well the sparkle. We, yeah, the spark exactly. Um but anyway, so maybe we can get some heart by the beverage that Vicar brought. <laughs> maybe. So what did you bring, Vicar? Well, you know, we're getting into these these just terribly hot days of summer, and I needed something lighter in the in the beer cooler. And so I went to the store and well, I was drawn to Corona, Corona Extra. So maybe add this uh, conspiracy theory on top of them all. You can take a look at Corona sales over the last five months and make your own conclusions. But I was drawn to Corona Extra, and so that's what we're drinking tonight. It's a uh, imported beer from Mexico. It's limited edition, and La Cerveza Más Fina, which means. Uh, the the beer something more the end something <laughs> fina sounds like end well can you help me out yeah pete what does that uh la cerveza mas fina mean uh la cerveza mas fina the finest beer we'll be the judge of that so <laughs> so audience um you know, we're this is what we're drinking tonight, Corona Extra. Uh, what are you drinking? And Vicar, where can they reach us to tell us what they're drinking? They can reach us uh, on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page, Clerical Airs. They can tweet at us at Clerical Airs P for podcast on Twitter. They can e- email us uh, feedback at clericalairs.org. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, they can get a hold of us also on Patreon, on our Patreon account. And support the show, right? Right. So, you know, this is not my first pick of uh, beer, but for a warm summer day, right? It does the job. So, there we so, go. So, hey, to your health. Hey. Mm-hmm. That's pretty refreshing. Well, you're leaving in the next few weeks, and uh, since Bullhagen is away, you're <laughs> preaching, right? Well, yeah, um, I'm actually, Bullhagen will be back for, for this text, but, um, cause we're, we're skipping one. That's right? true. We're ahead. But, um, but I am preaching to the last three weeks and I think my last sermon, I get to preach on false prophets. So that'll be kind of rad. No doubt. But, uh, this Sunday, uh, today, if you're at the church with the, the one year lectionary, the lectionary. You heard um, Trinity 7, which the text is Mark chapter 8. That's a gospel text, and it's a, it's a miracle of Jesus. It's one of his feedings, uh, the feeding of the 4,000, where he takes the seven loaves uh, and distributes and also the fish. And actually, he doesn't distribute it. He actually gives it to his disciples to set before the people. Um, and I'm not sure... Uh, you know, it's kind of fun. I can kind of guess what pastor's going to preach on here. All right. I think... So prognosticate away. I think he's going to preach on the Old Testament text from uh, Genesis chapter 2, which is a creation of man. Um, we'll kind of see how it shakes out. But, um, you know, it's an interesting pairing, and this is my first year through the one-year lectionary. Uh, and so, you know, I don't, I don't really have a clue why these are paired yet. It'll come to me, I'm sure. Um, But Genesis 2 is kind of slowing down 
on the sixth day of creation where God creates man in his image. You know, you get the the full um, the full story of creation in uh, chapter one, but here in chapter two, and particularly verses seven to seventeen, we slow down on the creation of man, and uh, also we get the the picture of the garden. Um, and so I I have a feeling, and you get the trees, the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You get the uh, the river in the garden and the rivers uh, and the the gold of that land. I mean, details that I think sometimes we forget about in the Garden of Eden. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't really know what Bullhagen's going to preach on. He's kind of a... Uh, loose cannon. Wild card. Yeah, loose cannon. Um, but he may talk about uh, how God originally created man um, in light of... Uh, a society today that is trying to, uh, it seems like we're trying to recreate man into something that we're not and um, denying uh, the past and all, I mean, all of this stuff. And there's also this this uh, pursuit of perfection and getting into like, uh, I don't know, um, well, the pursuit of like aliens and all this stuff. There's talk about you know, can men, man be something greater than what we are? This constant pursuit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, uh, I haven't asked Pastor what he's going to preach on. So, <laughs> kind of <laughs> shooting from the hip. <laughs> but what do you think you're going to preach on for, and what are you preaching on for this one? Yeah, I don't know. I think the Old Testament lesson is very compelling because not only does it tell about what a wonderful world God created for man. Uh, and that it was all good. But it also talks about the the beginning of the church and um, the one thing that is actually sacred or set apart. Uh, what is man's altar in the pre-fall world? It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? That is the one thing that God withholds from man. Sets it aside. Um, <laughs> and uh, Luther has this beautiful imagery that uh, um, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was Adam's pulpit and his altar, and had he not fallen into sin, um, that would have been a focal point for him and his family. Hmm. Um, that God has given everything into man's hand except this one thing, hmm. uh, to remind us that God is God, uh, and that man has received everything from him. Hmm. Well, we all know how that went. Uh, right. It, it, didn't, it didn't go very well for us, right? <laughs> um, and this is what brings us then into the epistle reading, uh, which is a continuation of what we heard last week. And um, he talks about uh, being a slave to sin, hmm. right? Because since the fall, uh, we are slaves. We, either, we are either slaves to sin or we are uh, slaves of righteousness, slaves of God. And being a slave of sin is bad because, obviously, the things you do when you're a sinner lead to corruption and to death. But if you are a slave of God... The fruit that uh, God himself produces in you leads to sanctification, that is, being made holy, and to its goal, which is eternal life. Mm. Um, and then once again, in, in the Gospel reading, Mark 8, 1 through 9, the feeding of the 4,000, we see how our Lord Jesus provides not just for our spiritual needs, but also for our physical needs. Right. Right? He's worried about these people. He even says, I have compassion on the crowd. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, mm. and some of them have come from far away, mm. right? Jesus cares about the body. Mm -hmm. He provides for the body. Um, and he provides for our bodies today, not just through, um, not through miracles, but through farmers, through land, through the growing of food, through the slaughtering of animals, uh, through the fishing boats on, on both the east and the west coast. Um, Jesus provides for us. He provides us with our daily bread. Uh, and he preserves the world that we live in, even though uh, we screw it up, and we screw it up every single day. Right, and uh, what a great comfort uh, is, uh, you know, the fact that the Lord looks at those uh, who are in need in body, and that reaction, the compassion, and that is the same, you know, he is the same today. That is the same compassion he shows toward those who are struggling uh, you know, both in body and soul, and during a you know during a time where uh, 
you know, where me- people were running out of their physical goods. Right. Like, yeah. you know, we usually don't think of toilet paper as being right. all that important, but, right. you know. Yeah, I was reading articles on how India has gone through a huge wave in this virus and how it's significantly impacted uh, an already uh, society that has uh, large differences between those who make money and those who don't. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of poverty in India, and this this is just magnifying the issue. Um, but but we, we see in the text, as we hear, uh, that we have a Lord who has compassion on those uh, who don't have, and he gives graciously out of his hand, and, and all good gifts are graciously out of the hand of our Father, and th- this is good for us Christians to acknowledge uh, both in the corporate gathering in in worship, but also in our own homes, as oftentimes we open meals, we open our days and end our days in prayer, acknowledging that even the breath in our lungs is given to us out of a God, from a God who who has compassion on us and has graciously given us uh, all things in our life uh, to be used. And for for Bible class, pastors going through Ecclesiastes, and you know. At the same time that we're given all these gifts, um, I'll be talking about in Bible class how we also notice that the thing, the earthly things in this life, uh, don't—they're not eternal. I mean, they they fade away. But the one who gives them gives you know something more. He gives and shares uh, his own eternal life uh, in the forgiveness of sins through his death on the cross. And so. There's vanity in the things of this world. There's vanity in work itself, uh, though uh, it's good. Uh, it is not, you know, the vocations we're given are good, but it's not what lasts, you know, uh, through If it's eternity. detached from the highest good, right? then it is vanity, right. and it is sorrow. I just thought about this. This text is really hard for us to understand, hmm. because when's the last time you went without yeah. eating? Only by choice. Never, right. never, you know, a choice someone else made for me. You yeah. know, and I just think back, I was reading something uh, in 17th century England, only about two-thirds of the population knew they were going to get a meal every day. Wow. One meal every day. And wow. uh, and so, like, texts like these, uh, I think sometimes they're very difficult for us to understand because um, God has so surfeited us with daily bread hmm. that our freezers are full. We've got mm-hmm. our choice of what we want to eat. Um, and yet oftentimes we're the ones who don't understand by whose hand this has come. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I guess I, I'd like to do my top 12. So it's been a little while. Um, but Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Baker's Top 12. All right. So, um, today my top 12 list uh, will be making the case that the vicarage at Hampton, Iowa is the best vicarage in our wow. city. Okay. That's, that's, those are some pretty bold right. words. Okay. So, so these are the top 12 reasons. Uh, and, you know, this is through my lens, through my experience, that the vicarage at Trinity Lutheran Church in Hampton, Iowa is the best vicarage that our synod has to offer. Now, now, before we begin on this, then, so what's your, uh, what kind of experience do you have outside of the Lutheran or Trinity Lutheran Church here? Well, um, you're asking like with vicars, vicarages. Of course, yeah. <laughs> well, where, where else have you had your vicarage? <laughs> Nowhere. Nowhere. But, but I can, you know, uh, throughout the year, I've been able to stay in contact with a lot of my brother classmates, and so, you know, you kind of get uh, the good. And maybe the weaknesses at different places. And uh, you were also a uh, um, your fieldwork church too. Oh yeah, which is kind of almost like a pre-vicarage, right? Vicarage right, thing, right? Yeah. So I got an experience at at a church in the Fort Wayne area too to to have a little pre-vicarage. And uh, my dad was at a church that had a vicar. No longer is in the program for a vicar, but uh, when he was serving as a pastor, and I was a young child. Uh, there was a vicar, and for for that reason, and he was a second career guy. I always imagined vicars to be very old, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now I'm at the end of it, and here here we are. So, um, twelve reasons, and I did order them. So we're gonna go from twelve to one, 
And there are a few things that didn't make the list that I'll mention at the end, but we're close. Okay. Number 12. Pastor allowed me to bring my dog. Now, I know this just wasn't Pastor's decision, but the congregation as well. Um, but Pastor was the one who informed me that I could bring my dog. And this, for my family, is more of a deal for my wife, but very important. So my dog didn't have to stay in the doggy hotel in Fort Wayne or didn't have to stay at my in-law's house for the year. He could join us on Vicarage, which uh, this is a big deal. Like, this is a big pro for Hampton because we have our first Vicarage meeting. We sit down and our Vicarage supervisor at the beginning, our placement director at the beginning of our second year at seminary, first thing he says is, if any of you are thinking about getting a pet, don't do it. Because many vicarages do not allow your favorite four-legged creatures to uh, tear up the living facilities. <laughs> so, uh, so, number 12, we could have our dog. Oh, and I think probably at this point, a majority of our vicars have had pets. It's almost like if you have a dog, Hampton should be on your radar. I guess. <laughs> right. Because lots of dogs, lots of cats. Yes, yes. And uh well, let's just say um I was told for a long time I was allergic to dogs. And then my wife did a little bit of uh medical uh history background check on me and made a couple calls. I checked a couple records. Turns out I'm not allergic to dogs. And we had a dog a couple months later. Uh, and we bought him my first year at seminary. So we had him before that meeting when the, when the vicar's placement director said, don't get a dog. But when he said that, but your heart just dropped. It, it dropped. It was, it was a scary moment. I think I came home in a frantic sweat, like we might have to figure out something for buddy, but Hey, it worked out. So number 12, number 11, number 11 is my study at the church. Now I will just attest that some, some vicars, have uh, described their their studies at church as the old janitor's closet. <laughs> so uh, no windows, kind of tucked away in the corner. Um, I have two beautiful windows that, that shine in the eastern sun in the morning, um, which creates a, not a great glare on my computer, so I actually don't have them open usually. I have a nice chalkboard mm -hmm. uh, in my office along with a nice, um, a beautiful... Uh, pin board, but I think the prime thing is the bookshelves. I was very impressed. I didn't have to have the milk crates going around the edge of the room or any of that. Mm -hmm. I had these uh, well-fastened wooden bookshelves. I think there's four or five of them up the wall, and I could fit my, my library um, and bring it along with me, and that's a huge bonus. I had friends who went out to California. They couldn't bring their library with them, but here mm -hmm. in Hampton, Iowa, you can bring your whole library. There's plenty of room for all the books. So I do, I do know that you've missed one thing in your study that you didn't mention. Oh, well. Oh. Or is that uh, one down the list? <laughs> no, no. This, this, you're right. This needs to be mentioned here. Uh, there is a, a beautiful picture in my study uh, that depicts Jesus— uh, assisting a young baseball player in swinging the bat. And uh, Jesus has got a big smile on his face. And he's and, and Pastor always points this out as um, kind of his, his gift to the vicar for the office to, you know, to, uh, I suppose, uh, <laughs> he says something about, uh, you know, you got to have a picture of Jesus in your, your church office. So this is the one. This is the one that you're going to get. But... Uh, <laughs> Baseball Jesus, I think, is what it's called uh, in pastor's vocabulary. But yes, thank you. Can't go without baseball Jesus. Number 10. Number 10, and I'll explain this, but the church pays for our diapers. Really? Yes, yes. Now, a little indirectly, of course, they're not, you know, buying shipments of disposable diapers, but the church actually covers our utilities on Vicarage. It's a beautiful gift. And we happen to, to cloth diaper, which means we use the water to clean the diapers. A lot, right. So 
uh, the church pays for my son's diapers. And then pastor would be here and say something about Vicar's diapers. And I would just laugh or something. <laughs> and, uh, but it's true. Uh, hey, Peter, throw, throw something like that in. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm sure he said Vicar's diapers before. <laughs> I can find that somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not on tape. But it probably has happened. Um, Number nine. Number nine is uh, the fireflies at night. Now, this isn't all year round, of course, but this was not something that uh, I've ever really experienced. Fireflies at night. But uh, it's it's happened here in the spring into the summer. Come outside and all these flickering lights all across the lawn. Mm -hmm. And it's just peaceful. I get my lawn chair. I sit out on the deck. I pull out a book, uh, get my Corona, and I watch the fireflies. <laughs> it's uh, sort of fun. Number eight. Number eight is the small town, and along with this is being in the state of Iowa, especially during a worldwide pandemic. Like Hampton, we've felt the effects, and Iowa has felt the effects of COVID-19, but our governor took a very measured approach with all the, the lockdown. I mean, I... If you're a vicar on the West Coast or the East Coast during this year, I mean, March was it. You were done. Mm -hmm. You went on. You went on lockdown. Um, but here in Hampton, uh, you know, I was able to still uh, come into church, and there wasn't any 24-hour quarantine or anything like that. And the small town, something that I'm still uh, getting used to, I suppose, seeing someone you know every time you go to the grocery store. Uh, that's different. When I first got to town, I actually honked at people, and then I realized everybody knows everybody. So if you honk <laughs> at people, you're going to be honking all day. But actually, my first my first visit, one of my first visits with Pastor that I drove, I honked at a member, and Pastor gave, just gave me a weird look, like, what's going on? But uh, I I learned the the flick of the fingers. Yep, like the one finger, fl you the know, one one or two finger flick. Uh, I learned, the steering wheel. I learned to be ready to like stop in the middle of the road as I was walking with my family. We go for walks on a daily basis. And if, if a member drove by, I learned that they're going to put their car in park and they're going to chat with me in the middle of the road. And I just have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> really different from the big city. Yes. Yes. You know, that, not, you, went, that you came from. Yeah. Not, not, not so many, uh, a couple sidewalks here and there, but, uh, we walked on the road quite a bit. Number seven. The meat counter. Yeah. The meat counter. I mean, there's just no vicarage that has the meat counter that this that this place offers. And uh, the things they can do for you, the deals that they have, it's all fresh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the best of the best. And I've used my grill quite a bit, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Very happy about that. And, uh, you know, Pastor Berg, you're a little bit, you know, you're you're into smoking your meats a little bit. Yep. Right? So this year uh, has gotten me leaning that direction that that'll be a, a purchase down the road uh, when it works out. But uh, for now, we've got our road trip grill, two burner, propane, the little tiny propane tank, and that's good enough for us. But we'll, mm -hmm. we'll upgrade someday. So Number six. Number six. You know, it just couldn't go, I guess it couldn't go any higher. Number six is the podcast, okay? Wow. Now, Boy, middle of the pack? Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Now, I, 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 I think when Pastor and I talk about vicars and podcasts, uh, I'm not the only vicar that's on a podcast. The church in Lincoln, Nebraska has a, po has a podcast from their Good Shepherd in Lincoln. Um, but... Uh, this is a unique podcast and one of its the only one of its kind. And uh, you know, I've gotten to know Peter. I've gotten to know you, Pastor Berg, yep. more than I would have. Uh, these Probably are more than you ever wanted to. <laughs> well, you said it. No, I. <laughs> it's been that. It's a pro and a and a big strength for the vicarage, and it's a. It's kind of a sandbox for some people. Like you can kind of do with it what you what you will. Um, and, uh, it's fun to see as s 
the mentee of pastor for the year, the one study under pastor. It's fun to see him in his sandbox where he's just like creative genius going at work. So it's a good time. Number five is the preaching opportunities. I kind of felt like a circuit rider a little bit this year. I got to go to almost all of the churches in our in our Winkle, in our circuit. Yeah, so which ones have you visited? I've So I visited your church, St. Paul's in Latimer. Uh, I've visited St. Paul's in Alden and Buckeye. Um, and then also I, uh, and I'm gonna, Emmanuel in, in uh, Iowa Falls. Mm-hmm. So there's a few that are missing from the Winkle, but, uh, I got to do those. I, I mean, we got to. I got to preach at St. Paul's during Advent, uh, as we did that round robin this past year. Right. Uh, I got to here at Trinity do the the Lenten sermon series. That not every vicar gets to do that. I I think I just was counting. I preached over forty times. It's like forty one. I think when I'm done. Uh, so I've gotten a lot a lot of opportunities. And when Pastor was doing the vacancy down at Alden. I preached a little bit more here than than vicars in the past, so right. it's been a great uh, opportunity to preach through a church year uh, here on Vicarage. Number four. Number four is the living situation, the house, both with its location to the church, which is like a block and a half, mm-hmm. and the layout of the house. Uh, it's got enough rooms for uh, enough, more than enough for our family, and uh we use the basement as like our guest quarters. There's a bathroom down there. And so we had some family come in and out and friends come in and out and they could, they could use a, uh, just crash downstairs and that was their space. And we were upstairs and we could have the dog with us and all that worked out great. Uh, it's your, your uh, friends must be short. <laughs> <laughs> True. You know, when pastor showed me the house, he smashed one of the light bulbs downstairs cause he stood up straight. It's in that first in that first room that used to be that was our first like meeting here. He gets out of his Oldsmobile Aurora and he comes and he, we go down to the basement first and the first light switch he turns on, he steps into the room and just shatters the light the light oh, bulb. Oh man. I'm like, "Okay. Are you are you bleeding? You're okay?" Uh that was that was quite the the first meeting. But It's kind of a weird setup too, like to get into your house. Yeah. Uh, like the driveway and all that. Yeah, shared. It's a shared gravel driveway that looks. Uh, there's two entrances, so it makes it look like an L. We share it with our neighbors to the south, and our garage is an. It's a. It's a double garage, but it's double deep. It's not wide. It's not two cars wide. It's two cars deep, and they built. It was like they built an added garage in the front, but they kept the inner garage door. So there's two garage doors. There's the outer one and the inner one. It's I don't know. It's like the temple. I could I could have used it as a teaching <laughs> lesson with curtains and stuff. But I think um, my favorite part of that house is the downstairs bathroom, though. Yes. Yeah. So you you walk downstairs and you turn on the lights and there there's a few of these. Uh, they're not they're not can lights. It's a little older than that. Just light fixtures on and that are shining down a little bit. You take a a right and there's this tattered uh, old uh, window curtain that's on a rod. And there's a light switch, and you're like, okay, what's going on here? You and the width the, of this, the width of this passageway yeah. is what? Maybe, maybe two and a half feet, three feet. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little wider than my shoulders. Yeah, about three feet, I'd probably say. Uh, it turns to tile, it, it, like fake. I mean, it's not super nice. It's, you know, it 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 does its job, but uh, you know that something different's about to happen. You're in this narrow passageway. It's just about the width of your shoulders. You take a right, and then you look. And there's a step up to the toilet. Like there's hmm. a step up, and the vanity, the the light for the vanity and the mirror and the shower, is in the vanity. So you have to tur- you have to go up in, open up the inner cabinet mirror, and get to the light switch to turn on the bathroom lights that are weird. Yes, it's uh, but the step up to the throne is great. It's great. Pastor has. It really his, makes it look like a throne. That's his jokes are. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got good stuff. So, uh, living living situation is number four, and uh, and it's one of the only vicarages that that's in a house. So there's that going for it. Okay. Number three. Number three is visitation opportunities, and uh, pastor. 
I shadow him for a while, he shadows me for a couple, and then he kind of lets me go. And he wants to help teach me to think about who needs a visit, given what, what they're going through in life, what you may have a conversation with them on Sunday. They may be shut in and people that you should regularly be seeing and sharing the word of God with. And so he, he kind of trains this sort of awareness of it's time to go visit somebody and who should I go visit? And I've had a, a lot of wonderful conversations with people uh, and a lot of wisdom that they've shared with me and that uh, and I've gotten the opportunity to share with them God's word as well. Uh, so number three is visitation opportunities. And some vicars end up at congregations that are a lot younger and they don't have so many visitation. Right. Um, but this is a... This is definitely a heavy visitation, um, and I used visitation as an opportunity to use the text for the upcoming week and kind of uh, talk through the, the text with the people as I, as I uh, did some devotions. Number two. Number two is the congregation here at Trinity, uh, the support that they have for the vicar. I mean, I'm 16.0. That's I'm the 16th vicar. It's pretty amazing. The, all under Pastor Bullhagen. Right. Yeah, and, and he just, I mean, he was just talking about how many years of ministry. It's over 100 years of pastor years. Uh, he's ordaining his 15th, the 15th vicar, and if you add up all the years before, it's over 100 uh, right, which is awesome. It's a, it's a mission of the church, and it's all across the world now. With uh, Pastor Michael Carney, a, a former guest on the show, he's now serving the U.S. military as a chaplain. So there's uh, impact all over America and and all across the world with this. And they're very supportive of not only the vicar but the family and uh, ladies of the congregation calling my wife and going on walks with her or whatever the case is. Uh, They've already lined up meals for us for our last week here, uh, which is really kind. So, And number one. And really one and two go together to make the best vicarage. You have to have a good congregation, but you, you need a faithful pastor. If you don't have a faithful pastor, um, it's going to make for a hard year. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, thankfully, I've had a faithful pastor, and he, uh, he is my, my number one reason Uh and, and a few things um, in particular I learned from Pastor Bullhagen, his care at the time of a death in the family, uh, as well as uh, his preaching. His preaching is, is good uh, and faithful to the scriptures. So uh, a couple things that didn't make the list, but the Winkle here in this, the Eldora circuit, I think is the official right. title. Yep. I'm astounded by the... Uh, the intellect of the pastors. I mean, we heard Pastor Beisel from a couple podcasts back. Right, yeah. He's an example of one, but there's a few others that are just, it makes for worthwhile Well, we've got... Um, gatherings. Yeah. Pastor Rieger has a PhD. Um, mm-hmm. Pastor Beisel's working on his PhD. So yeah, right. there's a lot of... Yeah, and the and the pastors in Iowa East, which is a district of mm-hmm. the LCMS that, I, that we're in, uh, make for, for solid pastor conferences... And uh, there's just a, a uniformity uh, in this district that that is um, it's refreshing and not you don't always see it in every area of the country, but at least in this particular mm-hmm. district, there you you almost always know what you're going to get on Sunday morning, which is a great thing. Uh, you're going to get faithful preaching. You're going to get uh, an order of service that is uh, faithful to our Lutheran tradition and to the scriptures, and it's not going to be flashy or innovative, but it's going to be, it's going to be the Bible. Right. And, uh, and that's great. And, and Iowa East is going to be high on my list for, um, preferred areas of the country that I end up in eventually. So we'll see what the Lord has in store, but, um, those are the 12 reasons and the almost reason, the Winkle, that Hampton, Iowa is, the best vicarage our synod has to offer. So take it or leave it from Vicar 16.0, but uh, I think it has a good track record and uh, of vicars and faithful pastors coming out of here. And uh, I hope we have, I hope we can get to 20. So I'm into that. Yeah. So we're glad sure we have a few so. more weeks with you yet. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So uh, 
anybody who's listening to this who uh, is a colleague of yeah, 16.0 right. and wants to you know debate him on this, uh, you know where to reach us. So. That's right. All right, very good. So we'll keep moving on. Uh, we are going to hear a piece from Paul Hensel for Pastor Peace Theater. Peter, play the intro. So uh, welcome to Pastor's Peace Theater with Pastor Berg. All right, so we're continuing on with garlic, and uh, this section has to do more with uh, unionism and uh, separatism and how that is uh, really the same thing. So here we go. The desire of a believer to be united with all mankind in truth, the longing for the merger of heaven and earth is of the Holy Ghost and throbs through the entire scripture from cover to cover. Drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 45. Yet since the church battles against the ever-present temptation of stilling this hallowed hunger by consummating shady affinities, she remains lonely and love-starved on earth. The metaphor of unionism in the mouth of the prophets is harlotry, coined by the soulful wisdom of the ancient world. There is a streak of infidelity and inconstancy governing the gospel work of the champions of a united church. In Proverbs 7, the harlot is described thus, She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. This, the mind of the unionists, we speak of a type and not of specific persons, is unstable in doctrine, practice, and character, flexible in his maneuvers as you engage him in pointed conversation, runs in and out, flits from pillar to post, nimble and swift of motion. Like the nervous brown leghorn, he can't abide to meditate on a setting till the subject under discussion is fully hatched. He is well-read, familiar with all the angles, glib of tongue, talks you down, and with easy grace comes to your assistant to complete the sentence you laboriously began and got stuck in. And all the while, he is looking about as though expecting someone. In fact, his feet and his mind are in every alley, and all his days are heavily dated up. As Rhett Butler had the time of his life to catch Scarlett O'Hara between husbands, as you labor to pin him down to fundamentals, he will give you a merry chase. If he succeeds in ensnaring you with his schemes, ostensibly for the furtherance of the gospel, he will bed you luxuriously and douse you with sweetness. But you prick his toy balloons, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. After he has dissolved you in his merger, he, like the cherry pit, will remain stubbornly undigested. For the unionist is a subtle separatist. But the point is this, he whose watchword is union forever is cutting asunder. Namely, you as a fellow pastor join him in conversation. Your object is to share the word and merge your mutual faith in it so that you may the better follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, to brace one another to endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also through your ministrations obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus unto eternal glory. The man politely takes all of this for granted, and makes haste to skip it so he can talk organization and launch into statistics. You withdraw empty-handed. He denies you spiritual fellowship unwittingly, of course. If he happens to be a member of your group, your fellowship is confined to formal worship. Both desire to merge, one in the spirit and in truth, the other in fixing alliances, and you, both Lutherans, properly part as strangers. That's great. And one of the one of the things I appreciated of, of this section is he doesn't just uh, blast the unionist side, but he also goes on to exhort the true Christian preacher in what to do, in where to find union. He doesn't he doesn't say, uh, you know, like to hell with them all. He says, you find your union in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the unity is found, for that is where Jesus draws us in by his word and spirit. Uh, and I I mean, the illustrations are great, and I've got, I mean, the the one on the cherry pit uh, not being digestible, and right. uh, just vivid, uh, vivid imagery and using the Proverbs harlot as kind of the 
the biblical image to start out, uh, he just creates and pops images in your head here and there and throughout uh, yeah. being it, true. Yeah. Right. The idea that it is the desire of a believer to be united with all mankind in truth. I mean, isn't this what we pray for? Yeah. Right? That yeah. Uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Right? That uh, we want people to be united. We want to commune with everybody. It's Jesus's high priestly prayer. Right? That we, that we might be one, that even as, as, as he and the Father yeah, are one. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is that that kind of unionism, that kind of union is very, very different. It's a different sort of union than what most people want. Right. Um, Agree to disagree or some kind of... Uh, right, and it, it yeah. doesn't even have to be um, agree to disagree. It can be, oh yeah, well, we all agree about that doctrine stuff, but let's get on to the important stuff of organization and statistics. Uh-huh. Right? You know? Um, I think that's actually a more subtle way to um, be a unionist, right? Mm. When you're unwilling to talk about the Word of God, when you're unwilling to uh, engage in these kind of fundamental questions, to edify one another, um, to, um, as he says here, share the Word and merge your mutual faith in it, mm. right? Um, like, every every conversation we have doesn't have to be, like, trying to get them to join our congregation. Right, right. Right? But it can be uh, just to um, sucker and to edify and to build up the faith of uh, Christians who are uh, who we meet along the path, hmm. Hmm. right? Um, yeah, without without yeah. give it, without compromising right. what we believe, right? And I I have uh, one thing because I I befriend actually on Vicarage um, I befriended a few people here in this community that aren't a part of the, this church. Uh, they're a part of other churches, but. Uh, and we've we've talked some theology, but one thing that I'm working on doing just in my own conversation is uh, one outside of the conversation, learning the Word of God by heart, uh, but also in conversation when you, when you are talking about doctrine and there is uh, disagreement, actually pulling out the biblical text, right, and not just firing back like it would be me firing Luther at them and them firing whoever they're their teacher is, but actually pulling out the Word of God and talking through what actually says, right? what it actually says in the text, and what is the plain, plain meaning of the text. And the statistics, I mean, we see the, the merging and the fellowship in some of the larger mainline Protestant denominations in America, and they make a big deal about how many more believers are a part of their, a part of the church now, because mm-hmm. they're all together. Uh, and uh, going more toward the numbers, and this is a temptations. It's tempting to despair in a lot of churches looking at the numbers, uh, but we ought to remember who's the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ, and he will do his work. He promises to do his work, and he promises that the gates of hell won't overcome the church. Uh, so so I know that this, this brought an end to a section of of. Hensel's writing, but is it going to continue with unionism, separatism? Oh, it, it He's does. He's going to keep it's, going. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing, guys. I guess the one thing you should take from this section is don't be too quick to try to absorb everybody, hmm. right? Actually, you know, it's just like you took the time to woo your wife. That's great. You know, yeah. and you had conversations with her and you... um uh, you know, you took her out to dinner and you you talked about things, you talked through all these things. That's how it should be, right? Right. Uh, because if you're so quick to jump into bed with them, both <laughs> right. literally and in this case spiritually, right? Um, this is this is what happens, is that it's the word of God that suffers. Hmm. And then it really does become all about the organization. Hmm. And organizations fall. Mm-hmm. Statistics change. Mm-hmm. But the word of God endures forever. And that's that's that should be the most important thing for us. Absolutely. Amen. So, all right. Well, so Peter, do you have anything else for us? Yeah. So, uh, one of my favorite things, Barry, that I do with you, especially, is it brings me great joy to grind <laughs> your gears a little bit about Bible translations. I don't know if you've noticed this yet. 
I it, yes, I I picked <laughs> up. There's a pattern. <laughs> I I very much enjoy. It's it's kind of a news that bothers Berg, but it's just Bible translations, right? Right. Um. So I found a few fantastic Bible translations, and uh, I'd like to share them with you. Uh. But I, I didn't really get any verses, so I was wondering if you had some verses that you think would be uh, great to look at in various um, various uh, translations. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, all right. Well, we yeah. Let's uh, let's see. So let's do Romans six twenty three. Let's try that. Or should we start off with a good one? Yeah, maybe let's start. Uh, maybe ESV. Yeah, let's try that. Mm-hmm. The ESV says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." All right, pretty All good, right. right? Right, that's one so, everyone uh, should know. Absolutely. So I've got a, a pretty good list here. Let's let's start with the voice. Oh no! The voice reads. The payoff for a life of sin is death, but God is offering us a free gift, eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, the Liberating King. Whoa. In italics. Yeah. So they, yeah. So they, they added, they added, right? A little bit. Um, a little bit. Um, God is offering us a free gift. Yeah. That probably fits into their, uh, you know, um, there's sort of Arminian, you know, choice theology. Uh-huh. Take the, it or leave it. The right. payoff, I mean, payoff isn't the worst thing in the world, but... Right. It can't, yeah, for a life of sin. <sighs> See, that's probably the worst part of it is the life of sin, because then it's more... It That's not about original sin. That's more for... Actual yeah, sin. Yeah, the sins that you yeah. do or don't, you yeah. know. So, huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, not... not <laughs> yeah, not cool. So do you, now, do you want to keep giving me different verses and we can look at them in different ones, or should we look at the same one? Do you want to look at the same one? Uh, should we start looking at the same one, and then if it doesn't you know, change too much, then we can... Uh... Okay. Let's try good news translation. For sin pays its wage, death, but God's free gift is eternal life in union with Christ Jesus our Lord. Huh. Boy, they really, like, Sin pays its wage, death. Is that? Is, but I mean, that's that's false doctrine, right? Because sin doesn't pay the wage. No. Right. God pays the right. wage. Right. The wages of sin. Right. The they, stuff that you earn because of your sin is death. They messed up their their grammar a little bit. Right. Have it in the wrong. Because they don't want God to be the bad guy. Right. It's the good news. Right. And then in union with Christ our Lord, uh, that's that's just that's an addition, right? I right. Mean, There's other places that talk about in Christ, but well, I mean, and what is what is what is that even supposed to mean in this case? <laughs> yeah, I, I I have no idea. Like that's weird. Why not just say in Jesus? Uh, ah, it, they make <laughs> things so complicated when it doesn't have to be. Right. All right. Let's continue here. I've got. The contemporary English version <laughs> ah. Ah. reads, Sin pays off with death, but God's gift is eternal life given by Jesus Christ our Lord. Am I wrong? Or, you know, because I, I don't want to be no. nitpicky either, but like that first sentence, sin pays off with death. Like if you were just reading that statement, like, I mean, I guess There's... what would you... Ah. <sighs> <laughs> ah, I don't like that. The second part is is pretty decent, right? I'm, it's you know, about the same, right? Mm-hmm. Right, it's about the same. Although I don't, you know, by Jesus in Jesus, you know, hmm. it should just be in Jesus, but you know. So now, Pastor Berg, I'm probably gonna have to have you read this one for me next. The OJB Orthodox, Orthodox Jewish, Jewish Bible. Bible. <laughs> what? <laughs> what in the world? Did it... Can, can okay. I have you read that for me, Pastor Berg? Yeah. Um, 
Holy cats. For the loin wages that slave master Chetsin pays out of its own payroll is Mavet, death. However, the gracious Matnat, Hashid Hashem, the gift of the grace of God, is Chai Olam Bamoyoshi Yeshua Adonaiu. What do you think of that um, translation? Uh, well, first of all, I I don't know why sin is still the one paying. Right, right. I still don't understand that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, um, eternal life in uh, the, the Moshiach is uh, the Messiah, Jesus, uh, our Lord, Adonai, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, they... Hashem, the name, yeah, because they don't want to pronounce uh, the name of God because uh-huh. they believe erroneously that it's against the second commandment. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a weird one. <laughs> that's weird, right? <laughs> yeah, that one's a weird one. All right, I, I got uh, two more. I've got the message. Now, the message is maybe less of a direct uh, translation, but more of a paraphrasing. (laughs) Uh So they combined verses 22 and 23 here. So it reads, But now that you've found, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do, but have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. <laughs> oh, this one hurts. Uh, uh. Yeah, I. where do you even start? Like, I mean, this... Uh, this isn't even like... Mm, so... Once again, it's turning sin into something else. Right, right. right. I mean, God is the one who punishes sin. Um, what you earn by your sin, you don't work hard for sin. Uh, <laughs> but God's gift is real. Why? No. Uh, that This one hurts my head. <sighs> but now you've found you don't it's have to listen to It's all about what you have to, to do. Right. Yeah. It's... The you can tell there's a theological agenda for this one, you know. Um, yep. Works, works, works. Right, it all works. But God's gift is real life. I don't know. I like. How does this even? It's no wonder American Christendom is so screwed up. <laughs> Delivered by Jesus, our Master. Uh, but what about being in Christ? You know, like especially in baptism. Right. Which is like the what the whole chapter is about. Yeah, they right that you're buried in Christ, you know. You 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 are buried through Christ, right? Or in Christ or with Christ through baptism, right? Death, yeah. Hmm. So, all right, and last but not least, probably my favorite one. <laughs> oh no. Is this like the what is it, the cat one? No, <laughs> I didn't I I the cat one's been taken down. I did look for it. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> uh. It's the Hawaii pigeon. Oh, translation. Dis the deal. When you do the things you are not supposed to do, then you cut yourself from off from God. But get one nada deal that God get for you. He like give you something, something that's plenty good. Plenty good. The real kind life that stay to the max forever. And you get this when you say when you stay tight with Jesus Christ, our boss. Oh my gosh. Uh well that's a very Yeah. I I do like the the real kind life the stay to the max forever. I that's kind of fun, but uh, and uh, this, by the way, this book is not called Romans. It's called Foda Rome People. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I, <laughs> wow, I, <laughs> I mean, because there's nothing in here about wages, even you know, 
and cut <laughs> death is you know not mentioned right uh wow and once again when you do the things that you're not supposed to do right so once again it's just taking sin as being yeah actual sin and not original sin and you get this when you it's all you 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 stay tight with jesus christ our boss it's the master boss kind of thing yeah Mm. so and then we can probably close it out with a good old you like the new king james right i do yeah for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in jesus christ our lord well at least we ended on uh Ah, <sighs> yes. <laughs> well, thanks, Peter. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice to it's nice to know what's out there. Yeah, that was wild. Wow. <laughs> for the listener, not bad for at the beginning of the podcast. I said, I don't know. I can probably come up with something. And then while they did the podcast, I tried to find a segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be a new segment, right? That's right. Bible passages that bother Berg. I like it. So I don't think you do though. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it shows like something that should be like really really easy, right? Hmm. Cuz I mean, this is the gospel. It's it's the law, but it's also the gospel in like its purest distilled sense. Like it doesn't get much easier than this. Right. But it shows that how many translations have screwed it up and how many people are, have been screwed up by it, right. you know? Right. And it's just, it's sad. And, you know, once again, it should just remind us of this wonderful treasure we have uh, that this gift of God is not a deal. It's not that we have to stay tight with the Massa. It's a gift. Right? But it's yeah. a gift. Right. Uh, we And if you read the beginning of Romans, you see it's you are already in Christ through your baptism. Mm-hmm. Right? You've died to sin. Uh, you've been set free from the sin which you have earned not just by what you do and you don't do, but simply by existing, by not fearing, loving, and trusting in God above all things. Right? That, that that sin, that inherited guilt that you got from Adam, um, which damns you and kills right. you, has been born by Christ, and he has given you eternal life. Um, and you didn't do anything to deserve it. Uh, so that's the thing. Is like This is why your Bible translations are so important. Mm-hmm. So very, very important because um, people will steal the gospel from you hmm. because of their own uh, theological agenda. Hmm. So I, I didn't. I, I thought I thought this would be pretty easy. Like I was like, man, they can't really screw this one up. <laughs> I was I was he wrong. Proved you wrong. Yeah, I was wrong, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I was vetting these with John three sixteen. I see. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Solid vet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I gave you the ones that didn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a smart move, though. That kudos to you. I'm su- I'm surprised that you know, because I wouldn't have thought about that until later. But yeah. you know, yeah. so yeah, don't get so if your pastor is reading the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible to <laughs> you uh, out of the pulpit, you know, you should probably talk to yeah. him a little bit about it. You yeah, you may you may get some snickers during church. You might laugh a little bit, but. It's not worth it. Your no. soul is worth. <laughs> yep, your soul is worth a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. Than a couple laughs, guys. Right, so, right. <laughs> well, we. Uh, I don't know. We we made it through without the boss. <laughs> yes, we did. We made it through without the boss. The master. <laughs> oh man. But it was fun. Yeah, and you know this is. Hopefully, you guys had fun too. This has been enjoyable, <laughs> and we're. You know, the changing of the guards happening soon. I'll get a couple more episodes in, I think. But uh, it's exciting. and, and uh, Well, and who knows? Maybe an ordination gift will be a microphone uh, of your own. You yes. can be a correspondent from... Yeah. Nothing like what we have in the Talks and Tasting studio. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. So, you know, yeah, a correspondent somewhere. Could be in Iowa. Could be somewhere else. I just want a mole at the fort. So, you know... <laughs> Let us know what the new scuttlebutt is. Oh there, yeah, you know? I'm sure there's so. something. Sure, there's always something. There's always something. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Clerical Errors podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. And may your translations not be Hawaiian, man. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. 
Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.